All right. Well, we're continuing on our real life uh, series. Actually, for my notes, this is the 70th message I've taught under the banner of real life. Uh, tonight, I want to begin something, and we're going to take a few weeks on this, uh, realistically, a couple months on this, under the real life banner. We want to talk about New Testament instruction. New Testament instruction. We need, know, we need to know what we're supposed to do with things and people. And what does the Bible say about how we're to live? And see, sometimes we know some topical things and we have some systematic theology kind of set up. And we believe in this and we believe in that. But I think that we also need some very clear instruction. And if we have instruction and light from the word, we're going to have more victory in, in a lot of areas of our life We're going to be less afraid of things because, okay, we know what to do. And if you know what to do from the one who really knows all, not me, but him, you know, then we're going to be in good shape and we're going to have good traction. Amen. Amen. The New Testament is loaded, not just with spiritual instruction, but actually some practical instruction too. And so there'll be some combinations of those things. Jesus is not just the way to heaven. He also shows us the way to heaven. He also shows us the way to live and to truly live. And so we're going to dive into some of this. Now, I'm going to go ahead and tell you up front that a lot of this is countercultural. Do you know what I mean by that? It's countercultural. This is going to be um, different than what you're going to hear on CNN. You know, there's going to be some things that some of your friends that aren't necessarily serving God, or if they are a Christian, they're, they're not really uh, serving God, um, it's going to be different mindsets and different approaches. But I'm going to tell you that this is the best path. This is the way. This is the path that is lit. This is the way that God will bless. And uh, so it's important that we are instructed in this. Not that we just have a set of beliefs, but we have clear instruction uh, that we're trained, so to speak. So then we can walk through life a little bit better with this. I think it is important how we view the commandments of God. And if you're not careful, you're going to view the commandments of God as rules. How many of you just love rules? You know, and, and people that are so stuck on rules that, that just irks me. And not only are they not happy, they make people around them unhappy. You know, how many of you had teachers in schools that were just all about rules? You know, just rules, rules, rules. And instead, there's a different way to view what God commands us. Uh, And when he commands us, it is more of instruction. And the way that I view the commandments that helps me to embrace them, to love them. uh, There's a place in Proverbs where it even talks about, I delight greatly in your commands. Can I give you my paraphrase of that? I love you telling me what to do. We don't like people telling us what to do. I love God telling me what to do. You know, and you're in some settings, you're looking to people, tell me what to do. You know, and God will, he wants to tell us what to do. Well, this is the way we need to view the commandments and view them more, uh, view them more as instruction rather than rules. Here's how that plays out. The instructions, the commandments of scripture show us what gives us life and what takes life away. It shows us what gives us life and takes life away. It's not busy work. It's not bossy stuff. It's, it's showing us the way to life. It's showing us where there's danger. It's showing us where to step. So it's showing us what gives us life. Everybody say, what gives us life? Gives us life. 
what takes it away. And that's what the instructions, that's what the, the commandments of Scripture do. So this is not a book of rules. And the New Testament written specifically for us, uh, you know, we need to know what does it say? How do I handle this? How do I handle them? What do I do about this situation? And we're, you're just going to be amazed how much Scripture covers concerning those things. Uh, let's look real quick in 1 John chapter 5 and verse 3. It says in the New Living Translation, loving God means keeping his commandments. And his commandments are not what? They're not burdensome. They're not irksome, uh, the Greek says. It's not grievous. They're not heavy. Uh, They're life-giving. And we see other scriptures that point that out as well. Um, And when something... When something gives you life or prevents from life being taken away from you, you know what that leads to? Health. That you're healthy. And we want to be healthy in every way. Spirit, soul, body. We want our relationships, uh, and we'll see this later on. We want our relationships, as far as depends on us, we want it to be at peace. How many of you know that sometimes it doesn't all depend on us? Okay, and that's a whole other message, but, uh, and we will get to that. All right. The number one need that all of us have, does anybody know what it is? Our number one need. Okay, I, I'm probably misleading you with a question. Let me just go ahead and tell you what I'm after here. Number one thing that needs to happen in your life, spiritual growth. I heard all kinds of stuff, you know. Love, Jesus, food, you know. And I'm, I'm for all those things, okay? But the number one thing that needs to happen in you and in me is spiritual growth, okay? Go ahead, go ahead and say spiritual growth. Now, we've talked about this over and over, and we'll continue to talk about this over and over because this is the number one thing that needs to be happening in me and in you is spiritual growth. For me, it's made up of two things, okay? Two things, and two ingredients are going to lead to this spiritual growth. And first one, I'm just going to write word, but really what it is is this. Do what the Bible says to do. Do what the Bible says to do. It doesn't just say know what the Bible says to do, but do what the Bible says to do. Would you just say that with me? Do what the Bible says to do. The second thing, I'm just going to write walk. And this is the second part. Do what the Bible says to do. And, and I want to make a big deal of this, and, all caps. And, everybody say and. And. Walk with God. Okay. So, the thing that has to happen in you and me. And, and I'm going to promise you this. It will affect everything else. Well, my issue right now, Pastor, is financial. Or my issue right now is relational. Or my issue right now is emotional. Or my issue right now is, I don't care what the issue is, where you're going to get the strength, the wisdom, everything else to be able to handle that and to walk through that and overcome that is from spiritual growth. And spiritual growth happens when we do what? You know, when we 
do what the Bible says. Oh, come on, that's weak. And, and walk with God. And walk with God. Now, the Bible's going to show us what gives us life and what takes life away. So you've got to do what the Bible says to do. Okay, let me time out right there. I've known people. I know people who do what the Bible says to do, but they don't walk with God. Now, they're doing all the God stuff, but they don't walk with God. Okay? And they're, they're harsh. They're religious. Uh, and I'll say this on, on a number of levels. Not attractive in the, in the sense that I don't want to be near that. I don't want to be like that. And, and here's what happens. You tend to be like a Pharisee at that point, And you want to impose the word on everybody else. And that's really not our job. So we're going to do what the Bible says to do. And we're going to walk with God. So the Bible is going to show you, it's going to show me what gives life and what takes life away. And I'm going to do that. And I'm going to walk with God. And when you walk with God, it's going to give you a relationship. Relationship. And this is the deal. Everybody say relationship. Relationship. And what happens with this relationship is it meets all needs. Now, Now, follow this carefully. When you walk with God, it's going to give you a relationship that meets all needs, heals all hurts, and fills all emptiness. That's healthy. Meets all needs. You mean to tell me that if I do what the Bible says to do and walk with God, I'm telling you that God is the need meter. And when you walk with God and you obey him, that relationship meets all needs. And get this part, and I'm going to be hammering on this, not hammering, but talking about this in our new series too. Heals all hurts. Anybody here wounded? Ever been wounded? Too wounded to lift your hand or respond? (laughs) I didn't wear my purple socks tonight. Uh, Heals all hurts. And then I love this. Fills all emptiness. Have you ever got, you know, the thing and all the things that go with it and the upgrade? And if I only get all those things and then the right people see me with the things and all the stuff, and then you just feel empty. You know, because things don't fill. Nothing else fills. There's always going to be an emptiness apart apart from God. So, and I'm spending a lot of time on this. Apparently it's need needed for us tonight. The spiritual growth is your answer. Spiritual growth is your answer. Yeah, but she keeps spiritual growth is your answer. Yeah, but I heard they said this or I tried before. Spiritual growth is the answer. Well, what do I do? I just told you do what the Bible says to do. And walk with God. Walk with God. Amen? Now, boy, we could spend a lot of time on that, but I I can't emphasize that enough. Now, your walking with God also includes and involves walking with people. Because the Bible even says, how can you say that you love God 
and you hate your brother, it classifies you as a liar. That's, that's a big disconnect. So what is one of the ways that we serve God? Serve people. Love God, love people. And so walking with God involves and includes walking with people. And New Testament instruction speaks to this. And we're going to get into part of that here in, in, in just a moment. Now, I want, to, I want to tie this together as far as God and people. How many of you know that you're not an island to yourself? We do not believe in Lone Ranger Christianity. Proverbs says that a man who isolates himself rages against all sound judgment. I mean, and if you'll connect that with some other thoughts, that means you're setting yourself up for invasion. You're setting yourself up for uh, damage, for destruction to do that. You're not meant to do this thing alone. So this is just a real quick review on something we've looked at recently. You need to, though, in your walk with God and walk with people that's included in that, you need to have times where you're all alone, okay? And then we need to have times, does anybody remember that we're, come on, all together, this would be that, okay? And then does anybody remember the other one? Together. What's one of the ways that we do that at Meadowbrook? Small groups, excellent. So you've got to have time alone with God, where you're all alone with God. And, and don't, don't get tired of hearing this. Get, make sure that we get this. Something happens. Something happens that cannot, will not, does not happen in any other setting when you're all alone with God. And something happens that cannot, will not, does not happen in any other setting when you're all together. And something happens that cannot, will not, does not happen in any other setting like what happens when you're together, when you're in a relationship with some other people. And it's so, so important that we have all three of these. I want to come back to this word again, healthy. God wants his people to be healthy. And that's not just that you're eating lots of bran, you know, and you've got organic toothpaste or what, you know, I'm not, I don't. I actually saw some the other day, and I said, you got to be kidding, you know? So anyway, um, let's go to the book of Romans, and uh, we're actually going to be in Romans 12. And if you were mining for gold, so to speak, Romans 12, as far as New Testament instruction, is like we have hit a vein. And so we're going to get into this a little bit. Paul, the apostle Paul wrote this, uh, this book to the Romans in A.D. 57, He was living in Corinth at the time. And here's the interesting thing. Paul greets 26 different people that he knows. If you read all the way through Romans, there's 26 different people that he knows. Hey, greet so-and-so and and greet so-and-so and and, uh, that are in Rome. But here's, here's the funny thing. Paul has never been to Rome. He's not been to Rome. He didn't found that church. It was founded by, you know, the diaspora. It was, you know, the gospel being spread. He ended up in Rome and that's where, you know, He ended, you know, in Rome, but ultimately God had him get there. But at the time of this writing, he had not yet been to Rome, but he's writing to the church. He's writing to Christians that are in Rome. And the theme of the book is righteousness, righteousness. Do we understand what righteousness is? Righteousness is right standing with God. It's right standing with God. 
And Romans pulls out that righteousness happens. You may want to write this down. It happens through grace alone. Excuse me. By grace alone. Through faith alone. In Christ alone. And it's affected by the Spirit. So being right with God. Don't we want to be right with God? Y'all here? I need y'all to perk up just a little bit. Okay. Uh, It's by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, and it's affected by the Spirit. Well, this righteousness, this right standing with God has an outworking to it. Uh, There's a practical outworking, and that's where it affects other people. Righteousness is a personal thing, but it's also an interpersonal thing. You know, when you're dealing with somebody who's a a believer and they're right with God, it it affects you. Y'all hear me? The Bible even says not to be married or don't be unequally yoked with somebody who has a whole different worldview, a whole different set of, you know, understanding of, you know, hey, we don't need God. I've talked to people, and maybe I should bump on this just for a moment here. I feel, I feel prompted. Um, not long ago, talking to someone, they said, but this, this person, they're so wonderful. And I said, well, are they a believer? No, no, it won't matter. I said, it's totally going to matter. I said, have y'all had an argument yet? No. I said, it's totally going to matter. I said, are you planning on having kids? Oh, yeah, yeah. Which way are you going to raise them? And they're just looking at me. So which way are you going to raise them? I said, let me ask you this. When your child is sick and it's 1.30 in the morning, are, are you going to have the boldness and the freedom to go pray over your child or not? And what are you going to do when you have financial issues? See? And so righteousness... and. And the Bible's not saying that we're to be so isolated from people, but you've got to be careful where you put them in your life, especially of things such as marriage, okay? And somebody say amen or something. Okay, all right. So righteousness is both personal and interpersonal. And that's what we're going to see in so much of New Testament instruction is how we interact with other people. And that's where we're going to kind of go uh, here. Let's look in verse 9 of, of Romans 12. All of this will be on the screen. I uh, posted, I think, last evening. Bring your Bible, bring your smartphone, bring your computer pads, whatever, you know, so that you can see the Word as well. We always have Bibles um, on carts by those doors as you come in so that you can get those as, as well. Um, and if you don't have a Bible, you're welcome to take a Bible and keep a Bible. And if you have 10 of our Bibles, I talked to you Sunday about stealing Bibles, right? What did it say? Don't steal. All right. right. Romans 12. And let's look down in verse 9. It says, let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor or hate what is evil and cling to what is good. In the message paraphrase, it says love from the center of who you are. Don't fake it. Run for dear life from evil. Hold on for dear life to good. Now 
Love must be. Now, this not, we're not going to go very far if you're looking for us to cover a whole lot of verses tonight. If you've ever been in any of our teachings where I do kind of uh, expository teaching, which is kind of verse by verse, kind of bringing it out, you know, it probably it took us like six months to get through the book of Titus. Okay, so we're just going to go just a little ways tonight, and basically we're going to cover this idea that. Love is to be without hypocrisy. Love must be sincere. And we're going to see why. Because it's, it's an interpersonal thing. Love must be genuine. Love must be sincere. Love with, must be without hypocrisy. Uh, that Greek word for hypocrisy has to do with an actor. That someone who could play the part. How many of you know that we can play the part sometimes? Okay, I'm waiting for the rest of you. Hand me a We can act like we're all kind and we can play the part. And the Bible says, don't do that. This love has to be genuine. I'll show you why in just a few moments. It has to be genuine. It has to be a real deal. This has to be a genuine GM part. You know, this has to, this, you cannot have a generic something, a fake something. This has to be the real deal love. And let's look at this. The way this is structured, this little passage, and we'll read the whole passage in a moment here. Um, and, and in the Greek, it says, and I know that we read, let love be without hypocrisy. Other translations say love must be sincere. But if you'll look in your Bible, there's some italic, italic or italicized words. And really what it is saying is, and in the Greek, it's almost like this, sincere love. That's what the first part of the verse says, sincere love. It's almost like the the thesis for what's to follow. It is uh, the heading. This is our topic. Everything that's going to fall underneath this falls under this heading, sincere love. It's love without hypocrisy. This is real deal love. Then it's followed by these short sayings. And like I said, we'll read them in a moment. That are explaining what love is and what love does. And it's exhorting us to do these things. It's not just describing them. It's it's making sure that that we do these things. Love is the essence of the Old Testament law. And love is the central demand of the new covenant. Let me just read you some verses here. John chapter 13, verse 34 and 35. In the New Living, Jesus said, So now I am giving you a new commandment. Everybody say, new commandment. What is it? How? How? Dang it. He just took it a whole nother level. New commandment, love each other. Oh, we already know that one. No, 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 no. Just as I have loved you. This is a whole nother level. I mean, there's some people good at stuff and there's some people really good at stuff. You know, and Jesus is a whole nother level here. Uh, love one another. Just as I have loved you. You should love each other. Your love for one another, watch this, your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. I do a lot of reading on this, on this kind of thing, but do you know one of, the, one of the big problems that unchurched people have with church? Church people fight. And churches split. And they get ugly and argumentative and all that stuff. And I'm going to tell you why. It's because they don't have love that's sincere. They don't know New Testament instruction and you know what else they don't do they don't spend time alone they don't get all together right and they don't get together 
And they need, which is do what the Bible says to do and, and walk with God. And, if, and if, they would, if they would do that, that relationship would bring to them, it would meet all their needs, it would heal all their hurts, and it would fill all their emptiness, and they'd stop bickering so much. You know, and, and Jesus said, this is the proof. This is how the world's going to really know that you're my people. If you have love for one another. And it's not so much even about I've got to love somebody way over there. It's the people right by you to start with. And we've got to love one another. And, and Paul is making sure. He's not just assuming. He's asserting that this needs to be happening, that there's genuine love among us. Amen. And this type of love is what is called agape love. And I won't go into all the meaning of that right now, but it is specifically and uniquely a brand of love that is unique to Christianity. It's a, it's a God kind of love. So Paul assumes that they're acting, that they're acting, that they're loving, it's expected that we're doing the right things. Now, this is where I want you to pay real close attention, okay? Uh, how many of you know that for a short period of time, you can act right? You, I could even give you an assignment tonight and say, okay, everybody, when we walk out of here tonight, I want you to use a British accent. That's $10 to missions, Pastor Ron, right there. All right. Um, I want you to act like you're British. I want you to have a British accent until Sunday. And I want you to fool everybody. You couldn't do it. You might could do it for like half a sentence, some of y'all. You know, and, and get going for a little bit. We can do anything for a little bit. And we can even follow through on some things. Make sure you do this. Make sure you do that. Act like this. Behave like this. But you know what? That's expected that you would act a certain way. But there's something that goes underneath. There's a root of this that we've got to make sure is in place. And Paul is wanting to make sure that we're not only doing these things, but the underlying reason that we're doing these things is this genuine love. So he's not just assuming that we're all doing this here. He's assuring that the love that we're acting like we have, that it's expected that we have, that it's, that it's the real deal article. And I'll tell you why. Because where there's real love, God shows up. We can act like Christians. You know, we can do some certain right things. We can say some certain right things. You, you can do that. But you know what? If it's not real love, we're, we're just going through the motions. But when it's real love, and I'll get to this in just a second, and then we're, we're going to wrap up tonight. But when we do that, that's where God shows up. God shows up where there's genuine real love. How many of you know that you could say to somebody, I forgive you, and you could just say it? Yes. How many of you ever done it before? I remember, you know, my brother or my sister or I get into something and my mom would always tell them you're sorry. Sorry. Tell me forgive them. Forgive you. Tell me you love them. Love you. Say it like you mean it. Love you. Or we do a better job than that. You know what? And then as soon as she hear her walk down the hall, it's on again. You know? <laughs> right? 
Well, bring it up to, you know, current life for us. And sometimes, you know, okay, yeah, I, I, I forgive you. I forgive you. But inside you're like, I could wring your neck. <laughs> it's, on the in, it's on the inside of you. You know, and we've got to, and I'm going to tell you something. God's not going to show up there. He's not going to show up there. Or we can give to be seen. And we'll get to this later in scripture. We can give to be seen. Praise the Lord. I'm blessed to be a blessing. Hallelujah. I mean, you. Right? And, and what does scripture tell us? It's a waste. It's a clanging bell. It's just noise. But when you do it out of love, when you do it out of love, you don't care if you're seen. And God shows up. Where real love is the motivator for me doing these things. And we'll read the list in a moment, I promise. When, we, when real love is, is the motivator, it's the genuine article, real deal, God love, God shows up. And I don't know about you. Listen to me. I don't know about you. I need God to show up. I need him to show up in all my areas of life. I need him to show up. I, I don't, I'm not even interested in pastoring some church and us growing and this and that and God not showing up. I'm, I'm not interested in going through the motions. I'm not in, I don't want to have a marriage or family or friendships or any other thing and God not be there. I'm just not interested in it. Matter of fact, I'm, re, I'm repelled by it. I can't do it. I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. I've got to have God. And, and I know this about you. You've got to have God there. You've got to have God at home. And when you're driving and in your relationships and you say, well, it's all, it's so messed up. You better get God there then. I, I'm convinced of this. Anything can change on a dime. Anything can turn on a dime. Anything can. You did. Come on, you did. And so don't give, on, don't give up on folks. Don't give up on things. And the difference is God. The, the difference is God, and we've got to have him show up. Now, let me quickly get to this. The genuine love that is the root of all of this, it's God's love. It's the God kind of love. I don't have that of myself. Neither do you. We've talked about this time and time again. Our brand of love runs out really, really quick. You know, we're going to... I'm, love is patient, love is kind. Oh, I can do that. No, the God kind of love is patient and kind. Our kind of love is patient and kind for a little while as long as you do it just right. And then it's not patient and it's not kind. Am I telling the truth? Okay. So our love stinks. Our love is weak and pale and if you had a receipt, you should take it back. Okay? But there's a God kind of love. His love. Here's the good news. Here's the good news. Romans 5, 5. I'm going to read it from the New International Version. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love. Everybody say God's love. God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. I want you to say this with me. God's love has been poured into my heart. Okay, so here's the deal. You have it, but you have to release it. And here's the other part of it. And you're going to have to refine it. Not the love itself, but how many of you know that the flavor, or the water is going to pick up the flavor of the pipe? 
When we first started the church almost 24 years ago, we, had, we were living in Tampa just before we started. My grandmother had a double-wide mobile home. Some of you all know this story out of the history of the church. She had a double-wide mobile home in Fruitland Park. And when I was a little kid, that thing was huge. And when I went back all those years later, it shrunk <laughs> and smelt bad and everything else. But she lived up north, and she said we could just have it. We could live in it rent-free for a while. And so I don't know how old that thing was by then, and it wasn't used a lot. And I just remember that the water in that place tasted horrible, just horrible. You know why? The pipes. You know, the water picked up the flavor of the pipes. So it might have been pure water from an artesian spring. Far, Well, once it went through the pipes. And back then, they didn't have much bottled water. So I just, you know, put socks over the faucet and just filled. No, I didn't. I didn't. Anything would have improved it, though. God's love is so pure and so incredible. But, you know, sometimes God's pure, incredible love going through these pipes comes out a little funky. And so that's why we have New Testament instruction. Because you have the love of God. And what you have to do purposefully and by faith is when you do these things, I promise you, I'm going to read the list in a moment here. That when you do these things, you don't do it in your own love. You intentionally, I'm going to release the love of God. And then you do it the way scripture says to do it. It will refine it and it will kind of purify it and get the flavor of you out of the way. So it is God's love because when God is love, he's, he'll show up. All right, here we go. In Romans 12, 9, and we're going to read this and then we're going to wrap this up. Romans 12, 9, the B portion. Do you understand that? Verses sometimes can get divided out. So the A portion says, let love be without hypocrisy. All right, the B portion of this verse, and I think we've got it where we can put it up for you, says, hate what is evil. Hate what is evil. The C portion of the verse is going to say, cling to what is good. Now, the way this is kind of structured here, sometimes in the, in the Greek writing, the last thing mentioned is the first thing explained. So it's going to say, uh, hate what is evil and then cling to what is good. So the cling to what is good was the last thing mentioned and it's going to be the first to be explained. So the verses following cling to what is good are going to be about that. And then the second thing to be explained is going to be what was first mentioned. I just blew the whole night, didn't I? <laughs> okay. Hate what is evil. Romans twelve seventeen through 21. Here's some of the list. Love's got to be the root of all of this. So here's what we do. Here's what it looks like. Everybody say, I have the love. Okay, now we're going to release it in doing these things. And if we do it the scriptural way, it's going to refine it. And then love's going to be there. And guess what else is going to be there? God's going to be there. And that's the difference. So hate what is evil. Romans 12, verse 17 through 21. Never pay back evil with more evil. And this is just New Testament instruction just coming at you. Never pay back evil with more evil. What is our tendency, though? You hit me first. Okay, never pay, pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Dear friends, never take 
revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scripture says, I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. Instead, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals of shame on their head. Don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. So hate what is evil. It talked about evil twice, revenge, enemies, and so forth. Now, the C portion of the verse says cling to what is good. Cling to what is good. Let's look at verse 10 through 16. Love each other with genuine affection. Take delight in honoring each other. Never be lazy. You've got to be kidding me. That's in Scripture. (laughs) Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble. Keep on praying. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. Be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people and don't think you know it all. The root of all of this is love and you have it. And now you've got to release it. And when you'll release these things, okay, it said don't be lazy. It said to work hard. Okay, well, do that out of love, not just your own effort. God, thank you that your love is in my heart. And release it. Forgive people. Be kind as far as it's possible with you. Get along with folks. All, all those things. Do that. But don't do it in your own strength. Purposely, intentionally, with faith from the inside out, I'm going to release the love of God. And then do it the way Bi- the Bible said to do it. It didn't say work. It said work hard didn't say serve the Lord. It said serve the Lord enthusiastically. You know, if, if, if you're serving here, you shouldn't hold a door or greet somebody. Hi, welcome to Meadowbrook Church. <laughs> but don't spaz out either. Hey! <laughs> Just enthusiasm. Whatever it says to do, do it the way Scripture says to do it. And you know what? That's the filter. That's the refining of the love of God that's in you. It's the New Testament instruction that's going to help you. And when love is the underlying thing on that, and we do it in that way, this is what you can count on. God will be there. God will show up there. Amen? i got to stop right there. Did you get anything at all out of this tonight? Thank you, Lord.